the reviews are in, and we're going to tell you what they are. He's Todd Vandenberg, I'm Rob Steele, and it's going to be an odd show. Mainly because it's been an odd week. No, I haven't watched as much as I'm supposed to. I lost two, and actually, I kind of lost three computers this week. <laughs> which goes to my home media system. My wife's computer, power supply, died. My main entertainment server. Wednesday night, power supply died. That's okay. Thursday morning, go get a new one. Come home. Thursday night, main hard drive died. That's a problem. So I've been getting replacement parts all week, which kind of awkwardly gets me into something that I need to talk about that's a little bit serious. Um, Let's be serious. You know how I occasionally go into the wander into the world of wrestling. So I used to do a, a, a wrestling podcast and stuff. And there was a guy that uh, I used to watch in TNA Impact Wrestling, whatever you want to call it, hmm. uh, named Jimmy Rave. <clears throat> uh, you may know him from the, the Rock and Rave infection. He was in uh, TNA. He was in uh, Ring of Honor. <clears throat> nice guy, actually. Uh, he had me. Uh, a medical issue recently where he lost an arm. Which. That's not fun. That that's a horrible thing, but right now, <clears throat> and bear with my congestion. It that it it's not getting better. No, it's not COVID. <laughs> anyway, Jimmy Rave is uh, ha- is finding out firsthand how much prosthetic limbs cost. Mm. So he's got a a, a GoFundMe set up to help get him a, a prosthetic arm, which I think would be a nice thing to do. The guy lost an literally lost an arm. Um. So uh, I'm going to put the link in the show notes. It, it's GoFundMe.com slash Jimmy Rave. It's not that hard. See if you can help the guy out because, you know, that'd be a nice thing to do. Um, anyway, so that, that, that's the nice thing. that He's a nice guy. Then there's Gina Carano. <laughs> Did she lose yeah. an arm? The star of The Mandalorian and apparently uh, the first Deadpool movie, kind of. She got fired this week because, well, apparently those tweets that we <clears throat> we said, you know what, maybe the beep bop boop thing is just her doing Star Wars. No, apparently she's she's a dick. Um, yeah, it, just, it, it got progressively worse. Apparently she's into Nazis. I just kind of glanced over the story because I went, yeah, you know what? Well, to to be fair, she's not, as far as we know, into Nazis. What she did was compare Mm -hmm. what conservatives are calling cancel culture, which which most adults call accountability. And she said that conservatives uh, and really Trump supporters are being excoriated for their views in general. And she compared that to the way Jews were treated in Nazi Germany and that it was normalized to treat Jews as less than human. And then, which which is that component is true that that's what they did. It was, we're not saying it's a good thing, right? It's not that, Oh, it was only the SS that came in and it was only the actual German soldiers. And it was only Hitler who destroyed 6 million lives. It was the overall culture, which made it, okay to feel that they were less than that but she compared that to trump supporters being called out for 
<clears throat> their racist, misogynist, xenophobic zoo views, which is kind of ironic, and she doesn't get that. So that's why she's finally fired from Lucasfilm slash Disney slash the global overlords of entertainment is because she compared being a, called out for being a racist asshole to being Jewish in Nazi Germany is like, that's about a false equivalency as you can get. Um, as far as her being fired for it, uh, you know, I, I can see that. I could also see the case for them keeping her on and telling them, of course, I mean, they've gone over it and over and over it with her. It's like, you know, these may be your views, but you're representing the company. And that's the that's the world we're all in. If you're working for a company and you put your views out there and you can be identified as working for that company, you are becoming the face of that company. They don't want that out there. <clears throat> totally get that. I don't see it as cancel culture. Like I said, I see it as accountability. <clears throat> and, and maybe she'll figure it out. And apparently she's got a new gig all lined up already, supposedly. With it, some... with a, it's kind of a Fox affiliate, but not really. Yeah, exactly. And of course, and that's going to be trash. And this it's she's a decent actress. I mean, she's better than what she's shown in the Mandalorian actually. But, uh, one person commented this like, Oh yeah, she, most of her lines can consist of grunts. Not true, but funny. And that she was <clears throat> overshadowed on screen by a puppet and a guy whose face you can never see, which is almost true. Uh, admittedly you, it is their show. So yeah, exactly. It's like, she's not, she wasn't the star and there were, there was some conjecture is like, oh, how can they deal? This is like, oh, gee, I don't know how, how you could possibly deal with a character in a very violent world suddenly disappearing. She got killed. It's like, that'd be really easy to handle the situation. It's like, come on. That, that one's this. not hard. <clears throat> if it was the Mandalorian, even if we saw his face constantly and <clears throat> Pascal was the person doing all this stuff, it'd be really easy to handle writing him out. Uh, it fits with the plot line. So not exactly going to be, oh, my God, how can they handle this situation? It's not like he killed off Luke Skywalker. So, yeah, uh, hopefully she, she well, she won't figure it out because, I mean, she's already in her mind. She's already replaced it because now she's got a gig in some unnamed thing with some low rent company compared to working for Disney. Just laughable that she thinks that this is going to be the same thing. So, <clears throat> yeah, it, uh, unfortunate, yeah. not unfortunate that she got fired. I'm not unfortunate that she puts her views out there. Unfortunate that she thinks that way. Right. Well, so, let's see. How about some good news out of Disney? Yeah, let's have some. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which looks good, has a date now. Yes, it does. Uh, March 19th. I'm looking forward to it. That's what a little just a little over a month. Yep. March is going to be a big month. That'll be a big part of it. If it's, I was going to say half as good as WandaVision. I don't want it to be half as good as WandaVision because then it would be just okay. If it's two-thirds as good as WandaVision, we'll all be thrilled. And it looks terrific, like you said. It, it does. <clears throat> of course, there's also some weird news. That's, it's not necessarily out of Disney, but it is Marvel-related. And I don't really get this one. Um, apparently, Sony for Spider-Man 3 has offered the role of Craven the Hunter... To Keanu Reeves. And 
I can kind of see it working, but I'm sorry, Carl Urban already looks pretty much exactly like Raven the <laughs> yeah. Hunter. And we know he can pull it off. And I mean absolutely no offense to him at all when I say this. He's probably a bit cheaper. Uh, yeah. Um, I can see Keanu pulling up, but Carl Irvin would be perfect. Yeah. Um, That's just me thinking and apparently Todd as well. Oh, for sure. Uh, that's, um, yeah, I, there are characters that would be better suited for Mr. Reeves. So, yeah, don't go that way. Go go the Carl Urban route, please. And and don't kill this villain off right away like happens all too often. Because if, if a villain comes back, oh, no. That's a, that's a character. Um, that'd be a good character to have around for quite a while, but especially with that actor. That would be terrific. See, I'm I'm all in favor of that. We we could uh, <clears throat> we could that would kind of make up for what they did with Scourge, because they could have done a lot more with that character. True. Um, yeah, bring him back for a sequel. Because Craven Hunter is a great bad guy. Yes. <clears throat> but speaking of sequels, I, and I, I don't entirely understand the purpose of this. Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm-hmm. Because they announced this week there is officially going to be a sequel, and the sequel has an official name. You ready for this? It's called Sonic the Hedgehog 2. And that's it! There's no subtitle to it. Why the hell do you announce something like this? We're making a sequel and we're calling it number two. Well, duh. So that's that's the announcement. announcement. Nothing... Nothing else to it. In the first place, it should be Sonic and Tails, duh. Um, but whatever. That's uh, must have been a slow week at that studio. <laughs> I'm guessing. Jeez. Oh my god, that's an amazing achievement that you have come up with. We've uh, we've also got some remakes announced this week that I really don't quite understand. Um. Who's this? Will Eubank, who I'm not sure I've seen any of. He, apparently, he directed Underwater and The Signal and Happy Death Day. So, not my area. I'm not from. Or no, I'm sorry. He uh, He's teaming with Christopher Landon, who wrote Happy Death Day. Uh-huh. I misread. Sorry. Um, they're remaking Paranormal Activity. Didn't that just come out like two, two weeks ago? It feels like it came out two weeks ago. That's too. It's too new. Yeah. You don't need to remake that already. And well, then con- considering there have been what five, I think five sequels. Uh, are are yeah, they going to? They're coming out once a year, aren't they? Seems like that. Are they going to spend less money on it? Are they going to make it for like thirty-seven dollars instead of thirty-eight? Or, I mean, that was part of five. Uh-huh. What made it work so well? The the first one, uh, and I haven't seen all of the sequels, but a- after the third one, and it was obvious that. The quality is going down and and the impact goes down with everyone is like, yeah, okay, I've seen it. But that was part of the charm is that it was made for like next to nothing. And it looks like it, but it fits because it's all just home security camera footage. Uh, So, yeah, uh, come up with something new and different, please. Well, here's something that's not new and different. As a matter of fact, it's old and already done perfectly, I think. Even if it's not entirely faithful, 
Uh, the Woodsman director Nicole Cassell is set to direct a new version of The Wizard of Oz. Which of I'm not sure we need, but the, what they're doing with it is they're going to go straight, f- try to go straight from the novels. No, that's that, a good move. Uh, L. Frank Baum did. So the, the the slippers are not ruby. They're actually silver in the books. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're ruby in the movie because they couldn't get silver to look right, apparently. And several other things. There were a couple of minor changes here and there, but I think this is almost in the same category as like the, the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory thing. Yeah. Where you've got a, a version on film that's not perfectly faithful, but damn, it's a good movie. It's not very faithful at all, actually, but it's a great movie. Yeah. And people um, are getting really confused if you start going by the you know, going they, by they, the book version because people don't read anymore. They they kind of did that with Return to Oz, and it didn't work that well. So no. Um. Yeah, more power to them. I mean, at least they're not just redoing the movie. Uh, and it has been a few days since that movie came out, 1939. So, yep. yeah, cool. Hopefully uh, they pull it off. It'd be entertaining. That'd be great. And if it if it works, they certainly have a franchise going. What are there, 12 books or something in the series? So I think yeah. so. That sounds yeah. right. They would, uh, they would have a few movies to make. So hopefully that'd be great. So I mentioned reading the books and we just talked about books. I, I actually started reading something this week because, you know, my computers were down, so I couldn't really watch a whole lot. I started reading, and this is going to be one of my reviews, Howl's Moving Castle, the book. Which, uh, you know, we, we love Hayao Miyazaki and the Studio Ghibli version of the movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But this book is got a few different things to it now the book is a bit longer than the movie is going to be because it's a book that's what they do yep but there are some fairly significant differences i, I do want to ask you this first because i know you've seen and love the love the movie Howell in the movie has an apprentice can you tell me his name and describe him no okay there you go. See, in the in <coughs> I, I've, I've seen this a few times. I thought his name, and they I've gone back and looked at this. They keep calling him Merkel, and I'm not sure why. Because in the book, his name is quite clearly Michael. <laughs> I don't know why they changed that. And they in the in the movie, he's about it looks somewhere between eight and ten. In the book, he's fifteen. So he's getting ready to go out and be his own man and everything. And this becomes a kind of a plot point. Now, I'm not finished with the book, so bear with me. I'll finish it probably this week and get back to you next week on what happened. But <clears throat> one of the things that people knew about Howl out in in uh, their little world is that Howl goes and steals the hearts of girls. And some people think they mean it literally. No, it's not literal. <laughs> he likes to go out and make... Make girls fall in love with him and then steals their hearts because he leaves. And he, oh, they're heartbroken. Wah. Well, in this, in the book, Howl is uh, pre- possessed really by this one girl who just will not fall in love with him. So, of course, he's obsessed. We find out later that she already has a boyfriend. 
His name's Michael. <laughs> oh, hello. And yeah, it does turn out to be Howl's Apprentice. And yes, there is a plot point there where the two of them kind of meet each other and go, hang on a minute, we're both after the same girl. And Michael goes, yeah, but I got her. Ha 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 Unfortunately, that's as far as I've gotten into it. Now, <clears throat> the girl, her name is Letty. Do you know Letty? You should know Letty if you've seen the movie. Letty. It's Sophie's sister. So look at the it's it's no longer a love triangle it's a parallelogram or something um and just for fun apparently one of uh one of the sisters in this book got written out she's not even there which is a bit odd but we do find some more details out about uh about her mother um howl the way he's described looks a little bit different than the way he is in the movie Calcifer is apparently green and blue, which is kind of odd for a fire demon. I would have, I, I get the. He's very hot. He's very hot. And has Ooh. weird chemicals. Um, but yeah, there's some differences. So I, I'm actually going to recommend reading the, the books for this because it's actually kind of interesting. And there's three of them. So maybe we'll get a sequel in the movie someday. No, we won't. No. Um, well, if we do, it's not going to be by. Uh, Hayao Miyazaki, it'll probably be his son, Goro. And that's my segue to the movie that both of us watched this week. We mentioned it last week. Earwig and the Witch. A well-done segue. Thank also, you. Also written by Diana Wynne-Jones, who yep. wrote Howl's Moving Castle. Sorry, I did miss that part, didn't I? It's been a week. I'm still in my head putting these computers back together. Sorry. <laughs> But yeah, uh, and actually, Hayao was involved in this, so that's a good thing. He <clears throat> he's not the director, but Goro is the director. Um, and I thought it ended up being a good movie, but there are some bits that I I didn't quite get. Well, uh, I'm, to, I'm just to start with, I will agree it's yes. a good movie. Uh, oh but, yeah, I'll but agree. that's a big problem. If you have a Studio Ghibli movie and it's a good movie and it's just a good movie, you get issues because they have kind of a higher bar than most studios. They have a higher bar than Disney. Um, so I, I have the, problems. Disney I have is problems just a distributor that. in the States. They are not right. the owners of this studio. Exactly. Just to, just to put that out. But, but we'll, we'll get into that. Um, I was thrown off a little bit at the beginning because it starts with a car chase, basically mm-hmm. woman with red hair and a baby strapped around her neck on a motorcycle is being chased by a Peugeot 206 and the Peugeot 206 is catching up to her. Did you not immediately go, hang on a minute. That's a Peugeot 206. I can run faster than those. I didn't come up with it as a Peugeot 206, but I did come up with like, yeah, that's an old Peugeot and yeah. probably what? 34 horsepower. Maybe <clears throat> uh, my, my, my take was that, that's a slow bike. <laughs> <laughs> well, Which it turned out to be a, a, a what a demonically possessed 206. So I'm, I'm there. Yeah. Um, the motorcycle escapes. The little baby is dropped off at a, an orphanage with, um, with a cassette tape that says earwig on it. And apparently, Ooh, this is, this is, this is my daughter. Her name is earwig. Take care of her. I'm being chased by witches. I'll be back if I can. 
And okay, fine. So the little girl earwig. Now, what is she called in the Japanese? You watch the Japanese version and I watched it in English because yes, yes. my kids were around and they hate subtitles. I'm working on that. <laughs> the Philistines. <laughs> what, what did they call her in your version? Because in, in mine, they called her Erica Wig. That's what they called her in the English, okay. uh, the Japanese version. Well, I'm just looking. I'm looking for differences here. As far as I know, because you know, they don't say her name very much. No, they don't say her name very much. And but of course, who she is. So that's because I did watch it with subtitles, and it, the subtitle was Erica Wig, and it sounded like Erica Wig. It'll do. Yeah. Now, some of the one of the things I loved about this was all the references to other things because this is not a typical. A Ghibli movie. It's computer generated. The first. It's all all CGI. So you can get a little bit more detail than you can if it was just a normally drawn version. For example, there's a picture of Erica and her. I've forgotten the name of her friend. It had he had a stupid name too. Little blonde boy that hung out with her. Anyway, Cust- custard. Custard. Thank you. I don't know if that was his real name or a nickname. They never got to it. Anyway, there's a picture of the two of them sitting down reading a book. Or, well, they're each reading their own book. She's reading Hound of the Baskervilles. He's reading Red Planet, and it's even attributed to Robert Heinlein on it. I loved that. And he it's even just... talks about... But, but here's a question. Why yes. couldn't they have done that if it was hand-drawn? They could have. It's just Exactly. They could have. It, it, well, well, yeah, I'm sure we're going to get to that. <laughs> but uh, let's see... <clears throat> They're all at the orphanage. Earwig gets adopted by a fairly, I'm going to call her a fairly hefty woman with odd hair. And a guy who looks like he's from Steppenwolf, the band, not the badly CG'd Justice League villain. Um, Just to clarify. Good idea. And it turns out that she's a witch. He may or may not be a demon. I'm not entirely sure what, what he is. We just know that he's not entirely human, I don't think. And she uh, she's basically uh, taken from the orphanage so she can be an extra pair of hands for the witch. And that's it. And she eventually convinces the witch, hey, you need to teach me some magic stuff. And what's up with the guy that we're not supposed to make grumpy? That, who's, who's always grumpy anyway. But And he's always grumpy. Um. And you can tell this from the, the, we don't find it out until like halfway through the movie. So yes, that does blow our spoilers thing that we try not to do here, but it's in the trailer. So it doesn't count. Hmm. Um, it turns out that the two of them, uh, demon guy and witch woman whose names I forgot to write down. I'm sorry. Along with the redheaded woman at the beginning of the movie on the motorcycle, were all in a band called earwig. And they have a couple songs throughout the movie, but it, and I was trying to figure out what they sounded like. And it was kind of a cross between, in my head, Heart and maybe The Doors, or just a female-led Steppenwolf. What, I would say, I would say, yeah, a female-led Steppenwolf would be the closest thing. Although Heart and The Doors, yeah, it all works. It, it's, it's that kind of, it's, it's not bad. That's why, by the um, way, Bella Yaga and the Mandrake. Thank you. Those are the... The other two characters whose I forgot to write them down. Although, 
I mean, th- those are characters. Did you notice that the band had a bass player who doesn't appear anywhere except in these flashbacks? What happened to the bass player? Yeah, I think they killed him off. I don't know. That, yeah, it was kind of odd, right? <laughs> anyway, the the movie goes on with uh, Earwig eventually learning a bit of magic and finding out about the demons in the house. And I'm going to leave the... Do we want to leave the ending up in the open? Because I, yes. I have questions concerning yeah. the way this movie ended. I would just leave it out there. You know, I mean, I enjoyed it. It's a fun movie. But almost from the start, I'm thinking, you know, this would have been better if it had been hand-drawn. I'll agree. Could have been. Could have been. Depends. I mean, could have been terrible, you know, if they didn't hold up to their usual standards. And the CGA is... is it's very, very good. It's not like it's it's badly done. It's very good CGI. And and it's not like, oh, they broke with tradition. They shouldn't have done this. It's just it could have been better. And compared to most of their work, it would have been better if it had been hand-drawn. Uh, had it been hand-drawn and had it matched like their, the best of their work, it still wouldn't be one of the best, not to me, Stephen Ghibli movies, because the story just doesn't hold up. With, with their best work um it just died at the end yeah to me it, it, it fits in with a panyo which is fun which is a good movie um it, it's like on that second tier it, it's definitely worth watching it's it's getting kind of ripped uh like on metacritic it's got a 45 i am it's got a 4.6 out of 10 right so it's so it's below average on, on both of those scales <clears throat> and Compared to Studio Ghibli movies, I would say that's accurate. Compared to movies in general or kids' movies, I think that's wildly off. I think it's much better than that. And I I think it's because of the context of the studio it came from that the story doesn't quite hold up, the artwork doesn't quite hold up. Uh, Again, I liked it. I thought it was good. Definitely worth watching if if you have a family and if you just like animated flicks and you haven't seen a kid since you were one in school yourself, you'll enjoy it. It just doesn't quite hold up to the to that level of of that studio. Uh, it's a fun movie. The performances are good, but yeah, it's it's not the best. Um, Goro doesn't exactly have the greatest track record compared to his dad at this point. Well. I don't know that we can blame Goro entirely on this. I think oh, no. That, I, think it's, I think a lot of it is the source material where <clears throat> this it's worth watching, but I'm going to say the ending is not exactly satisfying. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I agree. I mean, Howl's Moving Castle isn't one of the best Sudo Ghibli to me either. Uh, and Although... Uh, Let's tie it together even <coughs> further with mm-hmm. my book review to this movie. Uh, I don't know if you noticed in the closing credits, there's a picture of Earwig watching something on TV. Oh, she's watching Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah. I thought that was cute. Yeah. There's there's lots of little touches, like the fact that not only is he reading Heinlein, but they even talks about, the character talks about that. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of really nice, deep Details, deep, deep, detail, yeah, details, deep moments in the film, which I really liked. So, yeah, um, I think we both liked it. Well, I know I liked it. I know you liked it. I just I think liked it's it. not quite 
it doesn't match up to their best, which no. that's like, it's a really high bar. I mean, basically, as far as animation goes, this guy has made Gone with the Wind and Citizen Kane, however, whatever standards you want to hold up, they're it. So, yeah, it's not one of the best animated films ever. Oh, gee. So, you know, it's, it's a fun movie. <laughs> it's worthwhile. It's just it's hard not to be negative when the bar is that high. That's all. <clears throat> and it's on I mean, HBO Max. So if you have HBO, get HBO Max and you watch it for free. Yay. There you go. It, it's it's definitely worth the watch. Indeed. Just for the soundtrack. No, I'm kidding. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it is odd that, that what happened to the bass player? Yeah. I wonder if they. Yeah, it. It just bass players get no respect. Yeah, sad, isn't it? Maybe, maybe, ooh, maybe that's like a meta comment. Ooh, that gives another star if that's really what it was. It's like, yeah, we did that because bass players just disappear. You know <laughs> what? I'm going to look for the bass player in the credits. You've got other movies. I have other movies. Got, you got to do this week because my stuff broke. I'm going to start off with the <laughs> least favorite movie that I had this week. And I liked it a lot. Uh-oh. So really good movies i for once that was nice uh this is a little little film called after midnight which came out a couple years ago it is available on amazon prime and other streaming sources so after midnight is kind of a rom-com drama the horror movie uh because those go together and they do in this in this case they really do all right so we jump into this story of this young couple they're so sweet and they're definitely in love it's hank and abby and they've got this lovely relationship and they've been together for 10 years and they live at his house it's just kind of out in the woods and it is just it just starts out and it's very much like oh this is a really sweet little movie and he wakes up one morning and she's gone she just leaves a note she just has to go find herself kind of stuff it's like uh what's going on so now all of a sudden this is depressing drama is how he's going to deal with this and what can he do and that night some weird large creature shows up at his house doesn't break into his house but it's prowling around this claws the hell out of his door i mean just like almost rips it open so now it's a horror movie i was like what the hell is going on the next day, he's moping and he's talking with friends about what he did wrong and how could he get her back and blah, blah, blah. That night, same thing comes back. And now he's he gets a shotgun and he's trying to kill the thing. And it goes back and forth between this drama of how can he deal with the loss of his significant other that they've been together for 10 years. And this monster keeps on attacking Finally, she comes back about like halfway through the movie and they go through why she left. And it's just very much like a standard romantic drama. Very well done. Very well done. You know, it makes sense of why she left and how she just kind of felt trapped in this little town she'd been in forever. And she wanted more. And all he wanted was being in this old fallen down house and all this other crap. So now it's this very emotional drama of how these people can work things out can they work things out they decide to have a dinner party and things kind of start going on in the dinner party and things start getting real as the kids say 
and they start talking about what's really going on just as far as their relationship. And then this wonderfully sweet moment happens. I'm actually going to do something at some point in the future about wonderful musical performances in movies that aren't musicals. Uh, and this is one of them. It's not that the guy has a great voice, but it's just such a heartfelt performance of just how he feels about his his girl and how badly he feels for what he's done. <clears throat> and it's just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful moment. And then something else happens, which I'm not going to say. Uh, and that's all like in the last 10 minutes of the movie. So this movie swings wildly back and forth between a rom-com early on and then this very deep, almost like a, okay, I'm not going to say Ingmar Bergman, but close to where you're, you're talking about these, these deep moments of relationship and, and just how hard it is to be with somebody and give up what you want for that person on both sides. And this freaking weird horror movie. Uh, really, really entertaining. After Midnight, it's again one of these small films, probably made it for like $87. Doesn't look like it though, it looks, looks terrific. Uh, directed and written by Jeremy Gardner, co directed by Christian Stella. Jeremy Gardner happens to be the star. So, <clears throat> again, it's one of these little projects that, oh, I think I can make this story. And he did. And it's just absolutely a great, great movie. This is one of those things that probably won't ever be remade on a big budget because it's such a weird vibe mixing all those genres. But it totally works. Totally works for me. And again, that's available on lots of your streaming services. Another odd little <clears throat> drama sci-fi flick came out the same year. This one had people you may have heard of like Anthony Mackie, Jamie Dornan called Synchronic. I don't remember this movie when it came out. Don't remember it at all. Again, this is pre-pandemic. So, uh, yeah, odd that uh, I don't recall. And I love Anthony Mackie. So how I missed this one, I have no idea. But pre-pandemic, that would make it, what, 1943? Yeah, something like that. It so <clears throat> two paramedics, Anthony Mackie, Jamie Dornan, they're in New Orleans and they're just dealing with the shit, excuse me, with the things that paramedics deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, and they come on a couple of cases where people are dying very nasty deaths. And somehow it's tied to this, to a designer drug. And, and we know because we see it right away that these people are having horrific hallucinations and that the hallucinations appear to be maybe becoming real. How? Ooh, weird, not good, but they don't know that. So Anthony Mackie tries to figure out what the hell is going on. Meanwhile, Jamie Dornan is having an issue, just family life issues, nothing horrifying or anything like that. Mackie finds, tracks down the person who has created this uh, drug. He manages to get it because he wants to figure out what the hell is going on with this. So he gets tied into this weird hallucination world, which may wind up being more than hallucinations. So he's on his journey. Meanwhile, Jamie Dornan's daughter disappears because she also took a hit of this lovely little thing. So Anthony Mackie has to try to find his daughter, and it goes on from there. Uh, I've yet to see a movie with Anthony Mackie that wasn't worth watching. 
sometimes it's only because of him, but that's okay. I mean, this guy's just <laughs> great. This is a really good movie. This would have been good with no name actors, just providing they could act. But really, really enjoyed this. Why this wasn't more successful or successful at all. I mean, the fact that I never even heard of it, uh, kind of weird. It's like, this is a new one to you too, right, Rob? I mean, yeah, I, I saw a 20 minutes. It. It's like, wait a minute. How, how did this not come out, you know, in the middle of the pandemic and just was released, but uh, and probably just came out to, in a uh, festivals or something in 2019, but still, Definitely. Actually, I think I know why it. Uh, a lot of the stuff I'm seeing online says it came out in was <clears throat> excuse me was supposed to come out in 2019, but it seems to have been released October 2020. Yeah, which in the right in the pandemic, but why they didn't get it out before that, like back in late 2019. Anyway, this is from <clears throat> a couple of really good a, a really good team. They produced the the produce they've made spring and the endless both really really good sci-fi horror flicks um highly recommend all three of them really the endless spring and now synchronic so very good stuff and synchronic again almost any streaming service you could find it's on there so there you go and you may be able to actually i wanted to mention this i'm glad i remembered at the last moment I didn't have to pay a nickel for it because I watched this on Canopy. And we've talked about it before, but there are two streaming services, at least, that are tied in with your library card. Canopy is with a lot of libraries. If if your library is not hooked up with Canopy, and that's Canopy with a K, they probably have Hoopla. It's absolutely. If you have a library card, the first place, if you don't, go get one. And you probably can, no matter where you are at this point, because most of them are open again. Yep. Absolutely. Check out and see if they're either with Canopy or Hoopla and sign up. Hoopla might be the better service. It has less movies, but it also has ebooks, audiobooks, movies, music. All kinds of stuff you can borrow, and I think it's like 20 items a month, which is crazy. Canopy is only films, and I think it's restricted to five a month, but they're free, and they have a really big catalog. So absolutely, before you even try to watch Synchronic, because Synchronic is on Canopy, sign up for either Canopy or Hoopla. Excellent services, and they're free. Yay. At, At your local library, where you can find Howl's Moving Castle, the book. See? We're back to... Full circle again. Indeed. We're, we're getting getting pretty good at that. We are getting pretty good at that. It's only been eight years. We should be able, should have had this <laughs> down by now. Yes, we've been around so long. It's before the pandemic. Uh, wow. And I just want to mention one more quick thing. Oh, sure. The Pistol Shrimps. No, it's not a documentary about weird little mutant crustaceans. It's about a basketball team. It's, it's about a rec league girls basketball team. Uh, the, the only reason this got any kind of notice was because Aubrey Plaza is on the team. Aubrey Plaza is in the documentary. Uh, all, all credit to the filmmaker. Aubrey Plaza is in it as much as anybody else. This is not, oh, look at the cute thing Aubrey Plaza is doing. This is about a rec league women's basketball league. And it's really fascinating. It's really funny. Um, most of the people in, on her team, the Pistol Shrimps, are writers, 
actors or some kind of performers because this is out in L.A. after all. Uh, so it's basically just the story of how this women's rec league basketball grew, how it grew from, I think it started off with eight teams and they wound up last day. I think they wound up with 34 teams. So it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And more and more people obviously were just seen as like, ah, oh, this is a great release for me. I mean, there's a high powered <clears throat> uh, entertainment lawyer who she's just, her just day is so stressful, which makes sense. And she hates the traffic because she's driving in LA and she's just bemoaning the fact that's like, oh my God, I hate this drive. I hate this drive. I hate this drive. And the moment she gets there, it's like, ah, now I'm like in my own little personal nirvana. And they all feel that way. This is just something they're all dedicated to. And, and you know, it's like, well, I'm sorry, I can't do this project because I got to go practice. What? So Sunday morning, they go practice every week religiously and just how the team gets better. So and it's a little bit about basketball and some of them can play and a couple of them never even held a basketball in their lives before. So it's really, really funny show. And again, I love the fact that it's not focused on Aubrey Plaza. She's just one of them, which is a brilliant decision. I mean, they do have a couple of clips of her on talk shows talking about her basketball league. And there's one where like Jimmy Fallon thinks she's kidding. And she's like, and she, and it's hard to tell with her, but she appears to be very offended by the fact that's like, no, this is serious. And of course it could just be her because she is a good actress, but Absolutely. And it's short, an hour and 15 minutes. Short flick. It's definitely a very much a feel good flick. This is probably, I probably enjoyed this. No, not probably. I did enjoy this more than any of the other movies we've talked about. I liked every movie we talked about. But for me, The Pistol Shrimps was absolutely the most fun, even though it's a documentary. I mean, it's just a very cool story. I love the the way they tell the story. It doesn't focus on the star that you know. She's just a side character in it. Really good stuff. Again, and if you've got Amazon Prime, it's free on Amazon Prime, but it's it's out there on a lot of different uh actually I think it's also on Hulu now as well. So it's out there. Pistol Shrimps. <clears throat> because there's a name I would have come up with on my own. Oh, uh, that that's part of the fun is the names of these the names of the teams are just, they're awesome. You'll have, to, you'll have to watch it to find out what the names are. They're very, very good. See, we've come up with a number of things for you to watch this week. We from have. Earwig to the Pistol Shrimps. Because it's all Earwig, about the names this week, apparently. Earwig and the Pistol Shrimps would actually work better. By the way, the bass player's name was Coyote. <clears throat> and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this. Give sure me a minute. Kiyukazu Takano. Actually, he's the guy who played the bass for the movie. He's not the one who played the character. He didn't have any lines. He's you know no respect for bass players. No, no lines at all. Not at all. Poor bastard. Maybe, maybe they turned him into the Pujo. That could be it. It had the same color hair. <laughs> The hair, um, the hair is interesting. The hair in the car, same film. color. I'm just saying. Anyway, that's all for us this week. Tune in next week uh, when we have more stuff. Not Sonic the Hedgehog 2. No. They haven't made it yet. Thankfully, keep it that way. No, um, I'm <laughs> being silly. We've given you stuff to watch, and most of it, actually, I think all of it, you can get it all at home, which is a good place to be because the pandemic is still out there. 
So if you have to get out, wear a mask. Otherwise, stay home and watch a movie. Captain, we're losing power in the warp engines. I think we should be leaving now. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Uh, and on that unusually harmonious bombshell, it is time to end. I am very disappointed. Man, we have a weird job. It's shameful, but uh, eh, it's a living. And like that, he's gone. Hey, who turned out the lights?